Hi, I'm Edwards Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Every year, the Catholic Church puts a spotlight on this one gospel story that really prepares our hearts for Holy Week, to really enter into Christ's passion. It comes at the very beginning of Holy Week each year. You know the story. It's a story known as Palm Sunday. It's that famous scene when Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. He's coming over the Mount of Olives just to the east of Jerusalem, and the people see him, and they're waving palm branches, and they're laying their garments before him, and they're singing, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's such a warm reception there, and they're treating him like a king. But if we've been paying attention to the life of Jesus in the gospel story, we should be asking a question here. Why are they treating him like a king? That wasn't supposed to happen. You see, way back in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus was up in a place called Caesarea Philippi, he revealed himself to the apostles. He said, yes, I am the Messiah. Peter was the first one to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus accepts that title, but he tells them, shh, don't tell anyone. Keep that on the down low. Don't tell anyone that I am the king. Now, that seems kind of surprising. Why, why would Jesus want to keep this quiet? Doesn't he want the world to know that he's the king, he's the Messiah? Is this maybe like reverse psychology with the apostles? You know, the apostles often get things wrong. They make mistakes. They always misunderstand him. So if he tells them not to tell anyone, maybe they'll go out and tell everyone finally. (laughs) Is, Is that what's happening here? No, no. Jesus understands what's happening politically in the first century Jewish world. He knows that the Romans are ruling over the Jewish people and the Romans don't want any kind of rival king. They don't want any threat to the Roman Empire. And so they were very keen on squashing any kind of rebellion movement or Messiah movement. Uh, There were other people in the first century that claimed to be Messiah, started a movement, and the Romans were very quick to destroy those movements. Jesus is aware of this. He tells the apostles, all right, I am the king, but let's keep this on the down low for now. Because I'm up in Caesarea Philippi now, he's thinking, you know, and the king wasn't expected to come there. The king had to establish his kingdom where? Where was the Jewish king supposed to establish the kingdom? In the city of the kings, the city of the first king, the city of David. And what's that city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the prophecies foretold about God coming to Jerusalem, coming to reign as king. And Jesus has to go there to establish his kingdom. It's there that he's going to end up, you know, letting the word out and he'll end up dying. But, but right now up in Caesarea Philippi, it's, it's, it's got to be quiet. We got to keep this on the down low. And so all on the journey down to Jerusalem, and we don't know exactly how long this takes, but from up in Galilee down to Jerusalem, as Jesus makes this last pilgrimage for the Feast of Passover, he's training the apostles, getting them ready for their big mission, but he's also making sure they're keeping it quiet. Well, what happened this day on Palm Sunday? How did the people in Jerusalem know? Was there a leak in the administration? (laughs) You know, did Peter just like, just you know, have to tell someone. He just couldn't keep this pen up anymore. He had to go tell a friend in Jerusalem and then word leaked out. And that's why they treat him like a king and bring out the palm branches and call him the son of David. No, no, no. That's not what happens here. What I want to take a look at today is I want to look at the donkey. It all has to do with the donkey that Jesus rides 
I bet most of you have not thought much about the donkey. There's so much here, so much in prophecy, and it's also going to be a key. This scene is going to be a key, not just to understand Palm Sunday and not just to understand Holy Week, but this is also going to be a key to our own hearts if we want to give our best to Jesus on Good Friday. So let's take a look at the story of Palm Sunday to prepare our hearts for Good Friday. That's what we'll look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I'm so thankful this last week to have met so many wonderful, faithful Catholics, lay people, parish leaders, priests uh, in Minnesota and Iowa. I was uh, doing the Lenten mission for St. Michael's Parish in Prior Lake, Minnesota, and met so many people from all around. People drove in from many parishes around, just very blessed uh, to have that time there with them. And then I also got to speak at the Diocesan Men's conference for the Diocese of Dubuque, Iowa, and also got to meet with the women. There was a little mini women's conference on Friday night as well. Again, so many faithful people at Eastern Iowa. It was such a blessing. Got to meet a number of focused missionaries from both states, Minnesota and Iowa there. And my prayers for all of you. It was a a great joy to be with you. And I just want to say to all of you listeners of the show, I had a wonderful chance over the last two, three months to meet so many of the listeners of the All Things Catholic podcast, you know, and that was a great joy for me because I'm just here in my little studio and recording these that I don't actually get to see you all. And so I'm so thankful for many of you who came up and introduced yourself to me at, at the book table or at, at the end of the event and was able to get a chance to talk to you. Thank you so much. And for those of you who uh, may see me in the future at your parish or at an event, please come up and, and, and introduce yourself. I love getting to meet the listeners of this show. And speaking of that, if you find yourself blessed by the All Things Catholic podcast, it it enriches you and you think it would bless other people, would you consider writing a review? It only takes maybe 60, 90 seconds. You just give it a quick rating and write a little review there. If you have enjoyed this podcast, and uh, I know that when there's more reviews, it helps to with the algorithms to get it out there to more people and hopefully bless others who are looking for good Catholic content. So please consider doing that. I would be very grateful for that. Now, let's go back to the story that begins Holy Week, the story of Palm Sunday. You know, another thing that's odd about this story is that Jesus is riding on a donkey. Have you ever wondered about that? I mean, do you ever see Jesus riding on a donkey? I mean, the Gospels never tell us about that. We, we never read about that. How does Jesus travel when he's traveling around Galilee, going from one city to the next, one village to the next? He's always walking. Everywhere Jesus goes, he walks. And, and think about it. That's how he travels. Every time you read a Gospel story, he's always traveling on foot. Except when he's on the Sea of Galilee, he might be on a boat. But even then, he walked on the Sea of Galilee too. (laughs) So he's always walking. And so for Jesus to suddenly say to the disciples, hey, go get me a donkey, that should stand out to us. As readers, we should be pondering, huh, I wonder why he wants a donkey. I wonder what that's all about. There's a reason. Remember, there's always a profound reason. Every detail in the Gospels is there for a reason. So when Jesus goes and asks for a donkey, we should be thinking it's probably not because he's just tired and suddenly wants to have a, a, an easy ride up to the city. There must be some profound significance here. Another thing I want to tell you about is how prophets often communicated their messages, not just in words, but in symbolic actions. You might have a prophet, for example, like Jeremiah, take a potter's vessel and go in in front of the priests and smash this potter's vessel in front of the priests in Jerusalem. 
And you're thinking, well, what is that all about? Well, it was symbolizing how Jeremiah was saying what happened to that potter's vessel, that potter's jar is going to happen to the temple. God's going to come in judgment on the temple. And so without saying a word, the, the action itself you know, draws people's attention. They're wondering, what does this mean? And they're thinking about it. And uh, prophets did this all the time. They communicated their message, not just in words, but in symbolic actions. So when we see Jesus going on a donkey, we're going to realize this is a powerful symbolic action to ride on a donkey. He's never ridden on a donkey before. He's always walking and walking and walking. We've never seen him ride on a donkey. And suddenly here, before this dramatic approach to the city of Jerusalem at the climax of his journey, he suddenly says, go get the donkey. And everyone is all excited. Do you know why? Because there was a great prophecy about this. There was a great prophecy. I got to tell you about this prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, 9. In Zechariah chapter 9, the prophet foretells that one day God will come to Jerusalem, to Zion as king. He's going to come. The Lord is going to come as king to Zion, to Jerusalem. And how is he going to come? He's going to come riding on a donkey. Do you think Jesus knew that prophecy? You bet he did. He wrote that prophecy. <laughs> of course he knew that prophecy. I think sometimes we think Jesus fulfills prophecies like he just does something. It's like, oh, wow, a prophecy was fulfilled. No, no, he knows all the prophecies. He's intentionally doing things all the time to signal to the people around him. If you know the prophecies, if you can read the signs of the times, you'll be able to decode this and realize who I am. But this is one of the biggest ones. If you're someone in Jerusalem and you know that one day your Messiah is going to come to you, the Lord is going to come as king to your city to restore the kingdom, to free you from your suffering and your oppression, to bring true salvation. If, if you knew that, and uh, you'd, you'd be all excited. And then to hear that there was a prophecy that specifically said your king was going to come on a donkey. He would come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. You, that, that would be, you'd be looking out for that, right? And then suddenly you see this man named Jesus and you've seen him come before. He's come down to the city for other pilgrimage feasts. You've seen him preach. You've seen him debate the Pharisees. You've seen him perform many miracles here. You've heard about his tremendous miracles up in Galilee, feeding the 5,000 and uh, we see him you know, raising people from the dead like Lazarus was just raised over the next hill in Bethany. You know, you've heard about all these miracles and signs and wonders and he's announcing a kingdom. And so you're hoping maybe that Jesus is the king. Maybe he is the prophesied one we've all been waiting for. And, and so, you you know, Jesus is coming. You've heard he and his disciples are coming to Jerusalem for Passover, as you would expect. And so you're waiting and you're wondering, when's Jesus coming? And then you see him. You see him coming over the ridge, coming over the, the, the top of, of the Mount of Olives. And, and as he crosses over, you notice, oh, he's on a donkey. <laughs> you know, what are you thinking at that point? He, he's Zechariah 9.9 is being fulfilled in our midst. This would have been so exciting for any Jew in Jerusalem to see Jesus approaching on the donkey. Jesus, who isn't just anybody else on a donkey. I mean, he, this is Jesus who's announcing a kingdom. This is Jesus who is performing many, many miracles. This is Jesus who just raised Lazarus from the dead. We're hoping he is the king. He has all the signs of being a king. And then when you see him riding on the donkey, 
everyone comes out with their palm branches. They're coming out to lay their garments before him. What, what does that mean, to lay down your garments before them? Imagine if you know, you're at work and all of a sudden everybody, you know, as you walk into the room, everyone takes off their, their sport coats and lay them down on the ground before your feet. So you walk on their sport coats and not on the ground. <laughs> It'd be kind of like rolling out the royal carpet for you. They're treating you like a king. Well, that, that's what they're doing for Jesus. They weighed the branches. They laid the garments before him. And they call him son of David. Who, who's the son of David? That was the, the great Messiah was supposed to be the great king that would come, a new son of David to restore the kingdom. And all the crowds are just so happy, so excited to welcome Jesus in. Our king is here. And so I hope you're seeing how Jesus, without saying a word, is performing this powerful symbolic action recalling the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. Behold, your king shall come to you riding on a donkey. Jesus is fulfilling that. So Jesus is shouting out very loudly, I am the king. Without saying a word, he's shouting that out with this powerful symbolic action. He's claiming to be a king in the most public way he's ever done before through this symbolic action. And in a few days, he's going to pay the price. Because you can't go into Jerusalem claiming to be a king like this and expect to have an easy, calm stay in the city. <laughs> no, 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 especially not during Passover. Because during the Passover time, two things were happening. First of all, the Jews, the Jews were expecting the Messiah one time to come. He, he was gonna, the Messiah would come sometime on a Passover. And every year during Passover, the Jews are hoping maybe this is the Passover, our Messiah will come to us. And that's why the second thing happened. The Romans, they brought in extra soldiers, large military presence to be able to, they knew about this messianic expectation connected with Passover, and they wanted to immediately squash any kind of messianic movement that could begin. So for Jesus to come into the city riding on the donkey, claiming to be king, he's, he's not going to have an easy stay. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause troubles. And in fact, if you think about what the Pharisees and Sadducees do, when they bring them, bring Jesus before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, what do they say about Jesus? They say he claims to be a king. He's stirring up the people. You know, like they're, they're painting a picture that he's a threat to the Roman Empire, a threat to Caesar. And when Pilate is interrogating Jesus, what is he asking? What's the main question he keeps asking? So you are a king. You know, so he, he wants to examine this. So Christ claiming to be a king is going to be used against him as part of his, his condemnation. Now, this is the background of Holy Week here, looking at the first story of Palm Sunday. And it's fun to look at this Old Testament background and see the prophecies being fulfilled. And, and I hope you know that every detail, again, every detail of the Passion Narratives is there for a reason. Every little thing you're going to hear when you hear the Passion Narrative, whether on Palm Sunday or on Good Friday or you just read it on your own, every line is just charged with a prophecy from the Old Testament, great significance. Be on the lookout for all that. You, you could check out the book I wrote called No Greater Love. I walk through the Passion Narrative if you want more detail on it. But praying through it, pray through it slowly. There's so much in each little detail. But I want to draw our attention now to a spiritual lesson we can take away from the Palm Sunday story. You see, the crowds on Palm Sunday, they were so excited to welcome Jesus. They were, they were just so happy. They're like, oh, our king is coming. 
This is the king. He's going to do great things for us. Yeah, he's going to solve our problems. He's going to free us from our enemies. This is going to be awesome. And that's why they greet him so warmly. I think about the crowds up in Galilee. They did the same kinds of things. They came out. They loved hearing Jesus preach. He's an amazing preacher. No one teaches like he does. He teaches with authority. He's amazing. And they, they loved hearing him preach. They got a lot out of it. They also loved his miracles. Oh, and, you know, they brought so many of the sick and the suffering to him. And they loved that he performed miracles. I think about how the crowds loved when Jesus uh, performed that bread miracle. He fed 5,000 people. And they follow him the next day and say, hey, could you do that bread miracle again? I, we want more bread. We want to get more stuff from you. There were many crowds of people in Jesus' day that were willing to follow him for what they could get out of him. I want to be inspired. I want to hear some great preaching. I want you to help me with my problems. You know, bring these healings and uh, I want you to feed me. Give, give me more bread. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being inspired by great teaching. And there's nothing wrong with turning to God for him helping us with our problems. He wants to help us with our problems. These are good things. Uh, there's nothing wrong with asking him to to help us, you know, and with our, our difficulties in life. But here's the question. Are we willing to follow Jesus only for what he gives us? Are we willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads us, wherever he goes? Are we willing to follow him to the end, to the cross? Where were those crowds on Good Friday? The crowds that love Jesus in Galilee the crowds that were impressed by his preaching, impressed by his miracles, and wanted his bread. Where were they on Good Friday? How about those crowds right there in Jerusalem? The crowds that waved the branches, laid the garments before him, called him Son of David, sang out Hosanna. Where were they on Good Friday? They weren't there. They weren't there at the cross. Think about it. Almost everybody abandons Jesus in his greatest hour of need. The crowds weren't there. The apostles weren't there, right? Uh, practically all of them were not there for him. One of them betrays him. One of them denies Jesus three times, and the others run away. Only St. John, the beloved disciples there, and his mom, and a handful of the women followers of Jesus. But where were the crowds on Good Friday? The same crowds that shouted out Hosanna to the son of David, they weren't there. How about you? Would you be there for Jesus? I think Jesus is looking for souls who are willing to follow him, to really follow him, not just for what he does for us, but for him, for who he is. Souls that are willing to follow him, not just in the good times, and the fun times, the easy times, but to follow him all the way to the cross, to the hard things. What is the difficult thing God is asking of you right now? What have you been sensing the last several weeks in your life? Is God maybe putting something on your heart, inviting you, nudging you in a certain way? Maybe God's inviting you to forgive someone and you've been sensing, I've been holding this grudge and I just need to forgive this person. Or I need to stop being so competitive and comparing myself with someone. Or I need to address a problem with someone. I'm afraid to bring this topic up, but I need to address this with my friend or with my colleague or this parishioner. I need to have a crucial conversation with them. Or maybe it's not like a really demanding thing on that end, you know, like a, a big cross I'm carrying, but maybe he wants me just to lean in to a cross I'm facing. You know, maybe I, I, 
got this problem. I've got this difficulty. And I just keep thinking about how do I solve it? How do I fix it? And I'm just thinking about how to solve my problem. This is a tendency I could just fall into a lot. And I might say some prayers along the way and ask, oh God, can you help me with this problem? But I'm not actually spending time listening to him and spending time just leaning into the problem and telling him, Lord, this is really hard. I don't know what to do. Maybe that's the difficult thing God is asking of you. He wants to meet you in those sorrows, in the loneliness you experience, in the trials you experience, in the times when you feel let down, when you feel like you uh, are misunderstood, when you feel like you're not appreciated well, because that's all that Jesus experienced on Good Friday. The eternal Son of God entered into our humanity, took on human flesh in Jesus Christ, and Christ went to the depths of our human suffering on Good Friday, and he did it for us. And he wants to meet us in those challenges that we face. So are we willing to follow Jesus all the way there, all the way to the cross? That's what the Christian life ultimately is about. If we want to be a disciple, we have to follow him, not just for the good things, not for the fun Catholic things, the things that we like, the things that move our heart. That's all good, and God uses that to bless us. But Jesus is looking for souls are willing to follow him when we don't get anything out of it, when it hurts, when it's hard, when we're scared, are we still willing to be faithful? So in these closing days of Lent, I want to encourage you, pray about what is that difficult thing God is asking you to do. Maybe you just need to apologize to your spouse for something. You just haven't been there for him or for her. You just haven't been listening to what they've been trying to tell you. Maybe maybe that's the hard thing that you need to work on right now. <laughs> you know, or maybe you need to actually really spend more time in prayer instead of just thinking through your problems and saying a couple prayers on the side. Maybe God wants you just to spend more time with him and to rest in him in the midst of the trials you're facing in life. Maybe that's it. It's going to be different for everyone. But what is that cross that Jesus is inviting you to carry? Let's take a look at that. How can we carry that cross, not run away from it, not complain about it, not hide from it, but lean into it and carry it? That's what Jesus did for us, and he's inviting us to follow him. He said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. I pray that you have a blessed Holy Week and a joyous Easter. And again, if you enjoy this podcast and it's a blessing for you and enriches you and you want to have other people be blessed by it, consider writing a review. And, and, and I would be so thankful for that because I know that helps get the podcast out to more people. Thanks so much and may God bless you. 